Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 176. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and I am fresh from the Mindful Self-Compassion Retreat Training. That was a six-day experience in practicing and learning more about mindful self-compassion. And oh boy, was it a doozy. So while I would have expected that I would have come back feeling like super zen, Um, I've actually been very tender and that's okay. I'm giving myself compassion for whatever I'm feeling. I'm being gentle with myself, but I really understand what David Trelevin was talking about when I interviewed him in episode 128 last year about trauma sensitive mindfulness. It really can bring up a lot to try to give yourself unconditional love in a mindful state. So anywho, today I have a very important conversation to bring to you. I'm talking with someone who specifically works in supporting partners of people who've experienced trauma. Heather Tuba is a writer, advocate, and certified trauma recovery coach. She's the founder of Heather Tuba Trauma-Informed Partner Support, a website dedicated to partners of survivors. She's also the founder of Partners to Survivors with Complex PTSD, the only online support group for those in an intimate relationship with adults who have CPTSD. She's the author of two resource guides for partners and offers one-on-one coaching support, as well as educational consults for professionals interested in learning 
how to better support partners. Heather's work is the result of her personal experiences as a partner. When her husband of 20 years began to experience once dissociated memories of childhood abuse, their lives were turned upside down. Not only was she left with the task of finding him help, she knew she needed support. Finding none, she began to blog about childhood trauma, and in 2017, she started focusing exclusively on partners. Her areas of expertise include partner care, specifically the impact of dissociation and dissociated parts on partner relationships, and supporting yourself while your partner is in recovery from trauma. She's a fervent advocate for partners, most of whom are in situations of overwhelm and exhaustion. She believes that support groups and one-on-one support can help alleviate the stress on both partners and survivors. So I am very eager for you to hear my conversation with Heather. I was so pleased at her compassionate perspective as someone who is married to a person who is a survivor of trauma. She has the personal experience of being a partner, but I loved how her perspective is not blaming towards the the trauma survivor. And I just want to add, because I think we all probably realize this, but it's usually not as simple as one partner has trauma and one partner doesn't have trauma. Since many people, we believe at least 80% of adults have experienced childhood trauma Both partners may be trauma survivors, and that can certainly exacerbate the difficulties in a relationship, especially if both partners are not really aware of their trauma histories or they have not been in the process of working to heal that trauma in therapy. So I love Heather's specific focus on partners because usually partner is not the person who goes to to seek therapy. It's usually the person who is the identified patient, if you will, the person who has the PTSD symptoms that are really causing problems in the relationship who ends up seeking counseling. But the partners could benefit from counseling too, even if they don't have their own trauma. And that's, you know, not that likely. But uh, Heather also talks about how, you know, people can be at different stages in their healing journeys and in relationship with one another. And that can, you know, create a different dynamic. So I hope that you'll enjoy this conversation. I thought it was very interesting and I'm planning on following up next week with just talking about the support that people who are living with trauma need from their partners. So this week talking about support for partners, which is a kind of less often discussed aspect of trauma recovery. And then um, next week we will, I will be sharing my perspective on the type of support that people recovering from trauma need from their partners. So let's go ahead and get started listening to my interview with Heather Tuba. Therapy Chat Podcast wouldn't exist without the support of its listeners. If you'd like to become a member, please go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. By making a $1 per month donation, you can help Therapy Chat keep going over the long haul. Thank you for your support. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I am very eager to bring you a conversation with someone who's doing important and unique work 
in the field of trauma. My guest today is Heather Tuba. Heather, thank you so much for being on Therapy Chat today. Thanks, Laura. I am so excited to be here. I'm really happy that you're here too. I I have been following what you're doing on social media for at least six months now, and I've seen that you're filling a need that I haven't seen being addressed really anywhere else. It's something that I know in my work with people who've experienced trauma, you know, there's definitely a need for the type of support that you offer. So let's just, before we do anything else, let's just have you tell our audience a bit about yourself and your work. Sure. Well, thank you. And thank you that you've been following my work. I am always so happy to hear from people. And it's been so interesting to meet people from all facets of life who are interested in learning more about how to support partners and families of adults with childhood trauma. I, you know, I use the word complex PTSD in my communications with people, and I'm well aware that's not an official diagnosis, but it seems to resonate with my audience. And most of them are on the path to, to discovering, you know, what does that mean? And, and, and that it, and finding out that it actually, that term, the complex with the PTSD is, is pretty descriptive of what many adults and their loved ones are dealing with on a daily basis. So, you know, I use that term regularly to describe the symptoms and the challenges that survivors and their families face. So basically what I do in my work, which is primarily online, is I provide support resources for partners who are in a relationship with an adult with a significant early life trauma history. And sometimes, frequently the partners are still in a relationship with that person. Sometimes people have the relationship has dissolved for a variety of reasons and people are looking still for understanding about what happened. So I, I see people, I interact with people who are early on in a relationship, who are in the middle of a relationship, who have been in for 10, 15 years. And there's people like myself who have been in a relationship for, well, 25 plus years. And then there are also people, like I said, who the relationship has dissolved and they're still, they're still hurting and they're still looking for answers about how trauma played a part in, in the challenges that they faced in a relationship. I also have increasing interest from other types of supporters. So these are friends or sometimes family members who, who are interested in learning about how trauma is affecting their loved one and how they can better support, support their loved one. I do get the odd question, not as much, although this is a huge area of need about the impact on children and teens when a um, parent has, has a significant trauma history. And that's, again, sort of falling under the whole umbrella of family support. So I do a lot of written resources. I have over 50 blog posts. I have two resource guides. 
I do a lot on social media, particularly my Instagram is really growing and I'm getting a lot of engagement there, which I'm excited about and do some interviews. I do one-on-one coaching. So this is really, I'm in a time of actually a lot of growth with, with this. And I'm really grateful because I have people who, who are doing clinical work that are also expressing a lot of interest in, in my perspective, which is, is personal, but also from the training I've done to become trauma informed. So, you know, I have a whole range of an audience and I, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I'm really glad that you're out there doing what you're doing. I mean, I work with people who've experienced trauma and they often find that people in their lives don't necessarily understand, you know, why they behave the way they do, you know, why they feel the way they do. And even if they get a PTSD diagnosis or whether they meet that criteria or if they've just begin to learn in therapy that their experiences in childhood cause trauma that's affecting them still even at 40, 50, 60 years old, you know, people in their lives typically say, well, you know, that was a really long time ago. I don't understand why you're still affected by that or why can't you get over it? And, you know, it's really hard for the person who is traumatized to be able to express, to do the psychoeducation for their partner, their family members when they're reacting to the trauma. It's still very, it's still very sensitive and painful for them at the time. So I know it can cause a lot of disconnect in relationships. And then, of course, also partners, you know, may feel the impact, not just in wanting to support their partner, but also feeling mistreated by them or being mistreated. You know, there's certainly a lot of ways that the communication and boundaries and dynamics and relationships can be really unhealthy and unpleasant when someone has experienced significant childhood trauma. Yeah, that's right. I I think another another situation that I see really frequently is that many adults with early trauma have no memories of trauma. Mm-hmm. So what seems to happen, at least with the audience that I work with, is, is that the the adult with the trauma is re-traumatized in a work setting or a spiritual setting or relational setting. They experience something similar to what happened to them as a child and they're re-traumatized and then they start to experience the more explicit memories. Mm-hmm. So they may have had no conscious awareness of their history, right. or they may have snapshots, fragments coming into awareness at certain periods in their life, but they haven't been able to communicate that. And so this can come out in a way that's quite shocking for a family. And that was certainly my experience with my partner. Uh, we had been together a long time, and I say there were rumblings over the years, but it wasn't until two significant re-traumatizations that he actually began to have memories. And we went through a period, uh, he and I, where you know I really was like, how could I not have known this about you? 
And he was like, how could I not have known this about me? Exactly. And it, it's, a, it's, it's a psychological shock. And so you're coming to terms with someone's past is not what you thought. And often when that happens, you know, the volumes turned up on all these reactions, some of which have been completely suppressed, some of which I call rumblings. And so the whole family system is really set into a crisis. And so what I see I've experienced, what I see others experiencing is that crisis, which propels you often to seek help, is very, very difficult. And if there's not intervention, it, it can lead to, you know, a perpetual cycle of, of crises in a family. And so often when people come to me or they're interacting with me, they've been living like this for a good long time. And um, that's really hard. Yeah. So let's take a step back for people who might not have as much exposure to working with people who have complex trauma from childhood or people who have, you know, or, or their partners and family members. And what what brings someone to find you? I know you used to have a Facebook group and now there's a lot that you do on Instagram, but how do people start getting involved with you? People um, in my situation, we actually do a lot of searching and a lot of self-education. I'm amazed by the time someone comes to either my website, they've been looking up partner support and trauma survivors, or they've been looking up. PTSD and, you know, all the terms that, you know, trauma, survivors, partners, spouses. I'm surprised, but sort of not, uh, that by the time someone finds me, they've actually done a lot of their own self-education. So they've all read The Body Keeps the Score. I'll say 90% of people I engage with have read it. Um, That's good. to podcasts, they've looked, listened to articles, they, they've been looking for information for a long time. And so, you know, by the time someone finds my site or connects with me through someone that knows somebody or something like that, you know, generally, I'm finding people have, like, have a basic understanding of some of the language, which, which kind of makes it easier to interact with them, obviously. But I think people look up support and a variety of terms that I've just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of how I, I think I'm drawing my audience. I'm, I'm also, you know, I have people that refer to my resources as well. So, you know, gradually, you know, it's been steady over the last particularly year uh, that people are finding my work. Therapists. We've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor 
in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah. So when they find you, what are they hoping for? What are they want? What do they need help with? Number one, they need to know that what they're dealing with is normal given the context of their life. So a lot of what I do is normalizing the experience that they're Mm -hmm. going through. Two, they need often need to know some of the questions that that I uh, I find coming up frequently are like are things like I am doing my best to support my loved one, but they're not responding to it. What what am I doing wrong? <laughs> That's a big one. What am I doing wrong? Did I trigger them? And like what what's going on? So helping some, that's helping someone who's got that type of question is to know that the an unres, unresolved trauma or trauma that's in process of being worked through is going to be like a living, you know, like a living energy in the relationship. Mm. And the, that piece, that part of the person or parts is going to be active and at play and that that does need to be acknowledged as having an impact on the relationship and on each of you. So understanding kind of, I don't know, I almost visualize it as this is something that's living and active within your relationship. It's not, you know, it's it's no one's fault. Uh, it's not the fault of the person that it happened to. It's not your fault. So how can we help you as a supporter to step back from that, to care for yourself, to offer support, knowing that sometimes it won't be received, but that's not about you necessarily. I mean, that's not always the case, but a lot of the time it's not. Mm -hmm. And so how can we support you in this very complicated situation where it's like there's a third being in the room with you? So that's a lot of what I do as well. And that alone really helps people to kind of take a breath, to have a bit of breathing room, to help them to step back a bit and to say, okay, this isn't, this isn't them and it's not me, it's this. So actually naming it and kind of stepping back from it. And then the third, I would say the third sort of bigger, bigger issue, which really ties into all of this is most most people that I'm interacting with do have diso- dissociative disorders of on a spectrum. So you, the partners that you're working with do, or their their partners, their loved ones, the survivors. Yeah. Okay, they have dissociative disorders, which is very common with early life trauma. So helping people to understand, okay, what does that mean? Some of the behaviors and responses are coming out of that 
out of that, out of the dissociation. So for example, I share a lot of in my social media work, I'll share some examples of, of things that personally happened between my husband and I, for example, I did a post a while ago on the answer, I don't know, which is very common if someone doesn't have access to information. Mm -hmm. So if you have a tra trauma history, you may not have access to that information. And so you can be having a discussion with your partner, asking them a question, and you're met with this, I don't know. And it can, it's usually about something that is significant. Like, why did you do that? I don't know. And yeah, or even not saying anything. I thought about that when you had that I don't know. Why didn't you tell me that? I don't know. Yeah. Why did you do that? I don't know. What were you thinking? I don't know. <laughs> so you can probably tell where this goes with a couple, right? That doesn't go over so well over if that becomes a chronic answer. Right. What I've discovered in my personal journey and the more I've become more educated about this too is, you know, I don't know is a pretty common answer, can be a common answer if you have a dissociative disorder. And usually they, one, that the person really doesn't know. There's that I don't know underneath that can be many, many things that just haven't come into awareness yet. Two, knowing that an I don't know answer is it's not meant to hurt you as the partner. It's not meant to make you angry. It's not meant to destroy the relationship. But what that answer can mean if, if one person has a trauma history is that that's an indicator that there's dissociation, there's more there. And so, you know, we can then engage differently with our partner. We can step back from that. Hopefully the part, the survivor has a therapist and they can take those things to the therapy room and begin to work on those, those things that are, are preventing information from coming forth in a safe and safe manner with the therapist. So I, that's a lot of what I do is, is kind of like taking some of these nuances in relationships that on the surface are just like, oh, honey, how do you, how can you not know this? But framing it through the lens of of trauma and dissociation. And, and I find people are quite relieved when they, they start to understand these things. And they start to say, oh, my gosh, yes, that makes a lot of sense to me. And so that's always, of course, very validating for, for me to know that people are feeling supported and they're feeling a measure of relief in, you know, really stressful life circumstances. Definitely. I think that, you know, and and for the trauma survivor, when they get into therapy, they begin to realize that the way they feel isn't they're not crazy. They're not right. bad. There's not something wrong with them. It's you you have trauma and this is why you feel the way you do. But for the partner, you know, a lot of times they just don't understand. And, you know, sometimes the partner will go right to their own therapy, but oftentimes it's more like the partner who's in therapy is the one who's seen as the one that has the problem. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And that's in another thing that comes up because, you know, I know trauma survivors, they carry so much shame mm -hmm. and, and that, that too impacts the relationship because 
honestly, the most partners, they don't want their, their survivor loved one to feel ashamed, but that, that, you know, that again is another response coming out of the trauma and it, it definitely affects, affects the relationship. So understanding that sometimes someone's withdrawal or even uh, a more angry or aggressive response is a self-protective response coming from the early life trauma. You know, it's, it's, it's not that we don't, as the partners don't feel it because we do, we feel the hurt, we feel the pain, but knowing that, you know, the shame is a huge issue. Again, providing that information, providing that lens for people is, is very helpful. And I think what I'm trying to do with my work is to create uh, some breathing room for people so that they're not always living in this kind of overwhelmed, hyped up space. So providing whatever education, awareness, reframing so that people can, the supporters can actually have space. And actually it, it provides space for both the survivors and their, their partners. Cause I hear that from survivors too. Thank you. That helps me as well. Um, so, you know, creating that space, that breathing room for people so that, that both sides can feel supported in the process is really important to me. Definitely. I think another thing that comes up that I see often is when someone who has a trauma history has been, you know, let's say there's a, a married couple and the wife has a trauma history that she does not recall. Mm-hmm. And then somehow it gets triggered and she's still not aware of what's going on. And she starts acting out by, let's say, like gambling or yeah. shopping compulsively or having an affair. Yeah. And her partner, her husband has no idea why this is all going on. And he doesn't understand that she has a trauma history because she doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, let's say... They go to couples counseling and the wife starts to remember some things and it becomes the trauma gets out in the open. I think it can be really hard for the the partner, the husband in that case, to be to be able to say, wow, the trauma is why you did all these things, you know, because they feel like I'm I can't believe you did like you did these things that hurt me and our relationship like in yourself. I think that it could be. I think it's really positive to have the trauma perspective to explain the person was acting out in response to something that they didn't understand within themselves and, you know, not to avoid accountability, but to understand they weren't doing something intentionally to harm you. It's an effect of something that happened to them versus just seeing the other partner as a bad person, you know? Yeah. Like they're the one to blame. Yeah, that's so hard, Laura. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 so hard. You know, speaking from my personal experience, you know, there is a, I'll say two things. First of all, there's a grieving process mm-hmm. that partners go through as well, you know, that survivors go through, but partners go through because as you're going through this with someone, you're realizing the devastation of what other people have done to someone. 
And so yeah. for me, it set me on a bit of a existential journey to understand of, of awareness of the enormity of human suffering in this world. And so being, you know, it, it, when you start, when you're with someone or even have your own trauma, which I did as well, not nearly as significant as my husband's, but still significant to me as a child. And you start to integrate it and to see it. It it changes you. It changes how you view people. It changes how you you see see the world. And and I think there's a bit of you know you, you have to come to terms with some pretty harsh realities about being a human being. So there's a grieving process when you realize that someone you deeply love and have perhaps committed your life to, you have children with, you have a home with, has been devastated by by people who should have known better. And, you know, that's very hard, very hard. So I, I think partners go through their own grief. They go through their grief about this person I thought was a certain way isn't the way I thought. There's grief about, you know, even if it happened in in a family system, which it frequently does, there's grieving about people you thought were trustworthy who are no longer, you're no longer seeing that way. There's many difficult decisions that have to be made around that. And um, there's grief around how this is impacting your children. You know, you know, it just really is a very long and deep process. So there's that. There's also, you know, coming to terms with, you know, where is my partner in recovery? You know, kind of how do we navigate whatever stage of life or whatever stage of recovery and in our life together, what does that look like? Because if you learn that your partner has done something, you know, gambled or had an affair, I mean, it does change things. Mm -hmm. And it should because there has to be whatever the, the couple decides to do, there has to be some safety there. So there's short term change, there's maybe long term change, you know, there can be changes in who becomes who's earning, you know, who's earning the, the most money at any given time. There's changes in how decisions are made in the family because, you know, sometimes like we went through this where I became the primary decision maker for quite a long period. So there's a lot of changes. I think grief is a big part of this. You know, there's trust issues. It's it's just very complicated. And so, you know, me sharing and me talking and me working with people is one again creating the space to say it's okay to go through this. It's okay to grieve it. It's okay to reconfigure your life for periods. It's okay. And you know, in the end, when you know, I wrestled through a lot of questions. And, and I, I feel I came out of it, and I still do. I still wrestle. I mean, I'm expecting I'll do it till the day I die. Yeah. You know, it's part of being a human. But there there is more of an acceptance of, of suffering in this world. And, and I don't, I don't, this is not being grateful for anything bad that's happened, but it has opened me up to a much broader way of thinking about humanity and suffering. 
And, and I do see that with people who have been doing this for a while, like partners and who have been supporting, you know, you just have to think about life a bit differently and you have to learn to embrace good and bad and, and, and kind of go with it. So I don't know if that answered your question, but, (laughs) you know, I'm just talking about some of the processes that, that partners go through that I've gone through and that I, I hear from other people as well. Yeah, I think what um, was really you sparked in what you said is, first of all, yes, the truth of working with trauma survivors, working in the world of relational trauma is that you see the world in a completely different way. And when trauma, I want to say like tears apart or bursts open things in your family, you you have a perspective that you never had, like, I didn't know people do things like that to each other, you know, mm-hmm. that people would be be cruel. It's, you know, or that it can be overwhelming to see that, you know, the pain that your partner or yourself, if you're the one in the survivor in trauma therapy, it can be overwhelming to live with and sit with the fact that this really happened. And that the outcome on someone's life would be such that they might gamble or they might have an affair. You know, that that's an outcome. It's and it's an outcome of what happened to them. Right. And I think to to sit with that is like it would be easier just to be like, you know, in the case I gave, the case example I gave, which is not a real story. It's just a possible, you know, I don't have a client with that story. It's just a possible thing that can can happen sure but it would be so much easier to be like she's terrible she's caused all these problems you know that or just to say you know what let's i forgive her i just put that behind us we're going to keep on going and the truth is to heal the relationship and for each person to heal within that requires what you're talking about like witnessing that this is really how this is that this horrible stuff happens and it's deeply painful. And to sit with that is hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is very hard. It's it takes practice. <laughs> <laughs> it takes time, too, I would say. Time. It takes being willing to become more self-aware. Mm-hmm. And it takes I would say it takes sacrifice. Yeah. Because it means I mean, for me, it meant that. If I want to do this, if I want to be that person, and this isn't even about my partner, this is about me. If I want to be that person who can embrace life, the good and the bad, then I need to take the time to allow myself to feel whatever feelings that brings up. Yes. That means... I am going to have to structure my life so that I have that space, which means maybe I don't work as much. And I know not everybody has that option, but maybe I have to pull back on commitments. Maybe I have to engage in practices that nurture me, that help me to connect to me. Maybe I need to establish some better boundaries with people. Maybe I need to find 
other relationships with people who are supportive of this type of inner work. So those are all choices that I wrestled with. And I I would say my husband's, the emergence of his symptoms, it's been over seven years now. And um, I have made radical life adjustments in that time. And to be honest, I am grateful for everyone I've made because it's allowed me to be anchored, to find a way to be anchored to myself during what has been the most difficult period of of our life together. And I, I continue to write about this it's, it's a frequent topic that I write about is how you anchor to yourself, how you find your inner resources, because for many of us, we don't have a support system because people with this type of trauma often don't have family support, which is usually what you go to the doctor and they're like, well, where, what kind of family support do you have? And you're like, I don't actually have have any and I don't know anyone that's in my situation and then they say well you should find some support and then I say back well I've desperate desperately tried and there isn't any and that's really how people come to me is like I can't find any support yeah so I very much am an, uh, an advocate of how can you be your own self-advocate how can you be your own ally how can you anchor to your inner resources. How can you find those inner resources? What are you already doing that can be self-supportive? And, you know, I've over the last number of years, particularly have several practices that I will not miss. I will not miss doing them no matter what is going on in my life. I just do them. And I honestly think that's been the best thing I've done for myself. Yeah, I I really hear what you're saying. I mean, what's coming through in this conversation is that being a partner to someone who's a trauma survivor or the process of healing from trauma, for that matter, it's a it's a uh, requires a commitment to yourself. That's right. Yeah, it does. And yeah, it requires a deep, deep level of commitment. And it's very hard. And it's. (laughs) frankly, not really supported by our culture, right? This type of work, which is why I love connecting, you know, with people like yourself, people online, I've that are doing, you know, deep supportive work, whether it's as a clinician, or as someone like myself, who I consider myself to be a support person, people who are committed to being authentic, and who are committed to doing the work. I mean, that brings me a deep level of satisfaction. But it it has meant that I've had to make a lot of a lot of life changes over the last number of years. Yeah, I believe it's worth it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. But it's hard. Yeah. So Heather, I'm really grateful that you shared your time with me today on Therapy Chat. And how can people find you and what you offer, whether they want to work with you or if they want to connect with the resources you have to offer? Well, the best way to connect with me is through my website, uh, which is heathertuba.com. And I know you'll link to that in the show notes. I will. So you can drop me an email on my site, all my blog posts. You can, if you drop me your email in just in the subscription box, you'll get 
a free resource guide, which is seven little ways to keep going as a partner to a trauma survivor. So those are seven short tips, seven strategies. You'll get that right to your inbox and all my services are on there. And also all my links to my social media are on there as well. But that's the primary way that people get a hold of me is through my site. Great. Well, I will link to that. And I am so grateful for the work you're doing and glad I found you through social media and that you are out there doing what you do because uh, there is a huge need for it. And I hope that even this conversation helps expand awareness for people who are listening of, you know, the need for support for partners of people who've experienced trauma. We need to do everything we can to help our culture understand the problem of trauma and address it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Heather Tuba. I am really grateful for the work she's doing. It's much needed. And I do believe that people with trauma suffer immensely. And the suffering is often within relationships because the harm often has occurred within relationship. As they say, what was broken in relationship has to be healed in relationship. So when we have experienced trauma, whether it's attachment, wounds, or relational violence, it impacts how we are in all of our relationships. And there's no one that you are closer to than your your intimate partner, especially, you know, when you're in a committed long-term relationship together. And so that is the relationship that often suffers the most when you have experienced trauma. So I'm grateful that Heather is using her platform to support partners of trauma survivors because it can be, as I mentioned in this interview, really hard for the person who is in therapy, working to heal from their traumatic experiences, which is often a long-term, very challenging process. It's extremely difficult for them to be the one to try to support their partner in the difficulty of being in relationship with them. So if I'm recovering from trauma, I have little to offer in supporting my husband in how hard it is for him dealing with me recovering from trauma. Hope that makes sense. You know, so it takes some of the pressure off of the person who's in the throes of their trauma recovery process to, you know, use what little resources they have to give support to the other person. And instead, Heather's work gives, you know, a focus on the partner and the difficulties that they're going through. And of course, partners can always go to therapy too. And it's, you know, depending on how they're impacted, it's highly recommended, especially if they have their own trauma histories, as most of us do. So, but, you know, never underestimate the power of peer support and being in spaces where there is opportunity to say, this is what it's like for me. Has anyone ever gone through this? You know, and other people are saying, oh, yes. And here's how we got through that. Or I'm in that right now. What recommendations do you have for me? What worked for you? That kind of stuff. It's, it's invaluable. So I'm extremely grateful for what Heather is doing. And I, 
I really like the perspective that she brings. As I said before, her compassion really comes through. And I think that's, you know, she has a beautiful perspective that's really compassionate towards all involved. So tune in next time for me to talk about the type of support that people recovering from trauma need from their partners based on my experiences. And I'd love to receive any feedback you'd like to share. You can go to therapychatpodcast.com and leave a message on SpeakPipe. I can't respond to everyone, but I always listen to them and I greatly value hearing what you have to say. And sometimes I may use them in future episodes. So until next time, thank you so much for listening to Therapy Chat. Take care. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Just another reminder that if you'd like to become a member of Therapy Chat, supporting the podcast while receiving fun member perks and being able to communicate with me one-on-one, go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. If every subscriber donated just $1 per month, Therapy Chat would be able to keep going strong indefinitely. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.